Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. We'll be starting from John 6, 22 through 40. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. Then the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? They asked, what are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, No one comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Really grateful for you. Thank you. If you didn't open up your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 6. I want you to be there with me so you can walk through the text with me because that's how we do things here, verse by verse, though today is going to have to be a little bit more uh, section by section. Uh, but guys, the first thing that I want to bring to your attention is one of probably the most uh, promising, one of the most favorited, one of the most hopeful passages of Scripture, one of the things that Jesus said himself in this gospel. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, or have it in abundance, that you may have life. You know what the Greek word there is? 
Zoe, or Zoe as some English names are, it means life. It, it, it's implying not just a physical, but it's talking in more reference to the eternal life, that you would have it in full. It's the good life. It's the life that Jesus is, describes. Now, now, one of the things I want to make clear, though, whenever we're talking about the good life, I'm not talking about a cute little hashtag at the bottom of a post where you're on beach vacation saying hashtag the good life, right, where you see the sunset or anything. The good life, as Jesus describes it, is much different than that. The good life isn't about necessarily prosperity in the human sense, but in the spiritual. It's the kind of life where you're living and you're alive. Because there are people these days who are living, but they're not alive. They haven't been woken from spiritual death. Instead, they go on trying to live life in their own means, in their own vices, This kind of life that Jesus came to give raises us up out of that death and into an eternal spiritual life so that we're living and alive. Don't you want to live alive? This life also is a life that is set free from the tyranny of sin over your will. It's a life where you don't have to sin anymore where you're not bound by it, where you're freed from it. Guys, this is the kind of life where, where you recognize really what sin ultimately does. Yes, it leads to death, but it also destroys things along the way. It destroys things along the way. My lying, my deceit, my abuse, any way that I can act out in sin will ultimately destroy things. And we don't have to live that way anymore in this kind of life that Jesus came to offer. Not only that, but this kind of life is a life where we have the promise where every moment of suffering in this life is redeemed and repurposed by God for eternally good purposes for your life. Every moment of suffering in this life. Not only that, but this kind of life that Jesus came to offer is where the the presence of the infinite immortal God dwells in you. The God that the heavens can't even contain, he humbles himself and fills you in this life. And this kind of life that Jesus is offering, it's where we can be grateful even in lack, even in want. We can be grateful even in pain because we know that those moments and the testing of our faith in those moments lead to perseverance. You ever have questions about why you don't exi- or why you exist? What your purpose is in this life? This life defines it for you. Jesus' life that he offers to you brings us to our ultimate true purpose in this life. We finally know why we're here when we accept the life that he gives in abundance. You don't know who you are? Oh goodness, Jesus offers you in this new life that he's giving you a new identity to redefine yourself by that's not constrained by your past, but is constrained strained by his hope for you in the future and his plans for you in the future. Are you tired of living anxious? Are you tired of going to sleep at night thinking every thought that you can think in an attempt to try to control all of your circumstances and all of your uh, situations? Well, no, this life that Jesus offers, offers with us, uh, with it, a, a place for us to go lay our anxieties, a place for us to, to, to put them down instead of continually carrying them again and again. Are you in the darkest night of your life? Oh, the life that Jesus offers, offers joy in the morning when dawn comes. 
even in the darkest night. Are you feeling lost? Well, this kind of life offers the word of God to guide us. Are you feeling low? Oh, God's wisdom is here to counsel you in this life. This kind of life just never seems to fade and continues into eternity. It lasts forever. In fact, this life that Jesus offers to us in abundance will never taste the true sting of death. This is the life that Jesus is offering, and it's the life that deep down every human being craves. Every human being has longed for this life truly ever since we lost it. I mean, just on that two-minute description of what the life is that Jesus offers, do you want that life? Oh, I don't know, church. That didn't sound like you wanted it. Is that the kind of life you want? Absolutely, like who wouldn't want it? Like when it's described in those terms, who wouldn't want it? Guys, guys, every human being wants it. Ecclesiastes says that this kind of life, eternity, was written on every human heart. So we find in ourselves cravings for this that the world can't satisfy. And as Lewis said, if, if I find within me a craving that nothing in this world can satisfy, that must mean that I was made for another world. This life this good life, the life that Jesus came to offer. He says, I came that you may have it and you may have it abundantly, that you may have it in, in full, right? And, and, and it's, like, it's like in surplus, that Jesus has surplus of it. So if you ever go up to Jesus and say, hey, do you happen to have any more of that life in the back? Oh, trust me, he's got storehouses full to go pull from and bring out the inventory of life. So this is the life that, that the Christian gets to have when we receive Jesus. But the question really, I think, is on the mind of the text today is how do we get this life? How, how does it become ours? How do we walk in it? Well, the short answer is that Jesus is the bread of this kind of life. Jesus is the bread of life. The longer answer that we'll get to by the end of our time in the text is that Jesus is the source and sustainer of the good life. That Jesus is both its source and the perpetual sustaining of the life that he offers. So let's try to get into the text real quick. If you can remember the context, Jesus just fed what we call the 5,000, but in reality it was about 12,000 plus with women and children there. He fed them with a lunchable, right? Five loaves of bread and two fish. And then after that, he took a stroll on the water out to his disciples and got them safely ashore. And then we find out in our text today that the crowds are just looking for Jesus and they find him in Capernaum and they're so confused, like how could he get there so quickly? How'd you get here? And so they ask him that question at the end of verse 25. And then Jesus responds. He tells the crowd something that, that reveals to us the true motives of why they were seeking Jesus. Look at it again, verse 26 and 27. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man, which he's already identified himself as earlier, will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. 
So guys, several times throughout this series, through the Gospel of John, the author has brought up questionable motives of the crowds time and time again when they seek Jesus. So we've, we've dealt with that issue extensively, that people sought him because he was entertaining. They sought him because they wanted the benefits. They wanted what was on the buffet instead of the chef in the back, right? They, they wanted what they could get out of him. And here we see it again. They want Jesus now because they want some more bread. They want their stomachs to be filled again. But Jesus redirects their attention, right? He says, yeah, that's what you're seeking for, but then he says, don't go after that kind of bread. Why? Because it doesn't last you. It doesn't last. Guys, you've got to keep in mind uh, that, that right now we're still in the context of the Passover and Israel's ma- core identity was revolving around the Passover and its time in the wilderness where they were eating manna from heaven, right? God was sending down this, this substance. What is it is what manna literally means. And it was falling on the ground and they would take enough for the day and they would make patties of like honey bread almost and they would eat it. It tasted like honey wafers. And so, so, so keep in mind that that, that that didn't last them. They could only take enough for the day, and then the next day they'd have to go out and get new manna. In the same way, Jesus is saying, this earthly bread that I fed you with yesterday, it's not going to last. It's not going to last you, but you need to do what? You need to seek a different kind of bread. He says in this passage that there's a food that the Son of Man gives, and that food will last you for eternity. It's going to last you forever. And what does Jesus say to do for that? He says, you better work for that kind of bread. You need to work for that kind of bread. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought we were people of faith, not works, right? Just watch. Hold on. Hold your horses. Verse 28. The crowd hears him say that, and they say, oh, 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 great. All right. What can we do to perform the works of God? What actions can we take? What works can we do to do those things that please God? Right? So so Jesus focuses in on wanting them to eat this eternal bread that can last them for eternity. And then they hear that, and then they want what? They want the to-do list. That that, that honey-do list. No, it's Christ, the the God-do list. They want that list. They want to know what they've got to do Right? And you guys, you're familiar with that. Like, don't, don't distance yourself too much from this crowd, right? Like, how many of you are guilty of, like, scrolling through the news or scrolling through social media, and you get to that headline that says, three ways to fix your golf slice? Or, or maybe it's, like, three diet, or nine diet shifts to, to a healthier, leaner you. Or, or it's, like, the 20 mindset changes to make you a millionaire, and you clicked. And what'd you do, right? You, you didn't read the article. You just went to the, the, the three things, all right? I've got to position my, my swing this way. I need to turn my grip this way, right? I say that because I've been trying to work on my slice recently. I've got a terrible slice in golf. Some people know it. We, we skim down through the article. We want the to-do points, and then we evaluate how we're doing on each of those to-do items, those articles trend at the top of the list most often because they're bait. They, they, they know what we crave because we want the to-do list. And if ever we want a to-do list, we want one from God, right? Like if there's a way that I can please that guy up there, yeah, I want that list. Give it to me. Give me the works. 
Tell us what God wants to do, is what the crowd says. Well, Jesus tells them one thing, just one. The one work God wants them to do. Verse 29, and if you write in your Bibles, I would say, underline it, circle it, highlight it, put asterisks or stars by it. If you want, put a post-it note next to it, bookmark it, whatever it is. Jesus replied, verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. That you believe and the one he has sent. He's saying you need to work at believing. Work to believe. Guys, faith quickly becomes the topic of the conversation with Jesus when it revolves around this good life that he offers. Believe! And guys, one of the things that this text does for us is that it doesn't just simply tell us to be uh, believing people, like a believing kind of, uh, like, like, abstract concept like, oh, I'm just a believer. I don't have anything I'm believing, but I'm just an optimistic person. Right? That's not what he's saying. Our, like, like we're, we have an object of our faith, and it's not a statement of faith. It's not a particular confession. Our, our, our faith isn't in a set of rules and works that we're supposed to do. The, 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 the object of our faith is an invitation to a person. It's to Jesus, who is alive today, risen on high. We're invited to Jesus. We're invited to place our belief in the one that God sent. Isn't isn't that incredible? Like, Like, it's just absolutely crazy. Jesus has told us the very thing that God wants us to do. The very thing. Guys, I, I mean, you can probably relate to this. You, you've had a late night and, and it's getting into the recesses of the early morning and you just can't sleep because you have such incredible pain going on in your life. Your circumstances are questionable. You don't know what the way ahead looks like and you just want, God, what do I need to do? What do you want me to do? Whatever it is, I'll do it, God. Just tell me, what is it that you want me to do? Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to simplify all the commands, but it starts and finishes with this. And I'm not saying that simply, oh, just believe him because he's going to fix all your problems and he's going to give you all sorts of wealth and material possessions that you've really been wanting. That's what we mean by believe Jesus here. That's not. No, 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 no. When we say believe Jesus, we believe that he's going to be enough even if we don't have it. Even if he doesn't make us prosper in this life according to human standards. So one quick truth in light of this is that striving for the good life comes in changing beliefs, not just behaviors. Striving for the good life, because that's what we're after, right? We're asking the question, how do we get the good life that Jesus is offering to us in abundance? It starts not with changing your behaviors. It starts with realigning your convictions. Like maybe the first one should be, oh, I'm no longer the sovereign over my life. The conviction might be, oh man, I make a crummy God. 
I shouldn't worship myself like I should. Here's someone who was selfless to the end. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll pledge my conviction to him and follow what he does. It's in changing your beliefs. So you want the good life? Work at your convictions. Work at what you're believing deep down in your heart and aligning it with what Jesus said. And so if you want to be on the fast track to spiritual growth, if you want to be uh, on, this, on this journey and get there quicker for how you're going to grow into the image of Christ so that Christ lives through you and not you living through you, you know what the answer is? Work at believing everything Jesus believes. Work at believing everything Jesus believes. Align your convictions to him. Put all your effort to grow, all of your striving to become more like Jesus into being convinced about everything he said is true. And I promise you, you will see radical change in the outflow of your life because the inward part of your life is being changed. Your heart is being renewed. Believe in the one God sent. That's the work God wants you to do. Notice what happens next. Verse 30 and 31. What sign then, the crowd responds to this, right? What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They ask. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. All right, so first off, notice that Jesus, when he says, believe in the one he sent, the crowd immediately says, well, what are you going to do to make us believe you? So they are already associating that the one that God sent is Jesus. They already are agreeing with that, or at least acknowledging it to a point. And so they ask him, what sign are you going to do? Now, let's just keep in mind Jesus literally just a day before this took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 12,000 people in the wilderness. Is that not a sign enough for you? Yeah, I think so. It should be, right? But when Jesus asked them for their faith, they say, well, what trick are you going to do now? This is what they said. Like, our ancestors had the same thing from Moses. Like what? One up him. You got to do better than that. Right? Like, give us something more. So we, we could easily just like real quick respond to that and say, that crowd, my goodness, they're ridiculous. How silly is this crowd? We could do that or we could realize that we're all more alike them than we may think. Because there may be times in our faith where we go to God and we ask, well, what, God, what more can you do for me in my faith? If I, what more can you do for me to earn my trust in you? So don't, don't, don't distance ourselves too much from this crowd. So they ask for the sign, and then verse 32 through 34, look at this. Jesus said to the crowd, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. So guys, I I hope that you were already aware that it wasn't Moses who was making the heavens fall down with manna. 
right? That we already knew very well that it was God himself who was sending down bread from the heavens to cover the grounds. The Father did it. Not Moses, but Jesus calls them out because they're saying that's what Moses did, right? Guys, I can't help but think how terrible the thing it would be to attribute to man what only God can do. And here they are doing that with Moses. So Jesus corrects them and says, no, it wasn't Moses, it was my father. And then notice what he says, notice the tense. He says, verse 32, but my father gives you the true bread. He didn't just correct them in the past. He didn't say, no, it was my father who gave you. This is present active indicative in the Greek, which, mean, which means, yes, my father gave it to you and even now is giving you bread from heaven. He did it then, he gives it to you now. True bread. True bread that comes down from heaven and gives what to the world? Life. Zoe. There it is. The bread of God that comes down and gives life to the world. The life that we are deeply craving. And they want it too. They want the bread Two, they ask for it. Sir, give us this bread always. Just like we asked for it. Because we want that life. We want that life. The, the craving comes from deep within our hearts. And, and let's just take a note for a second. Guys, like this craving, we've gotten really good at doing three things with it. Trying to fill it, trying to numb it, or working to ignore it. We work hard to fill it or numb it or ignore it. We fill it with all sorts of attempts to accomplish great feats that would have our names last a little longer than our lives. With legacy. Or we try to numb it with really cheap knockoffs and vain living with, with accumulation of wealth, thinking that it's the wealth or, or maybe the, the numbing it with drugs or alcohol or, or with certain relationships that just don't even last. Or we work hard to ignore it. We ignore it. And we put it off and we think that the craving is just something that, that's a mistake. And we continue living our lives with no real understanding of why we're here, what our purpose is, but we're just content with whatever may come. We so desperately try to find ways to consume things, to either fill, numb, or ignore this craving. And you know, it really complicates things in this search for the good life when, when you and I determine that what's needed for this life includes things that aren't necessary for true life. Guys, this is the air that we breathe, right? Like we constantly are being bombarded with all sorts of advertisements that promote materialism or popularity or fame or risque relationships or riches or accolades or accomplishments or, or, or influence. Guys, we look at all of that and, and we're easily pulled into it thinking, man, that is the good life, isn't it? That's, that's the good life. We're constantly being force-fed it as we, oh, I don't know, scroll. 
Oh, well, uh, I guess I'll never have 18 supercars like Cristiano Ronaldo. Hmm. Oh, well, definitely never going to have hair like that again. Oh, man. Definitely am never going to be able to afford up enough money to, to afford a trip to the United Arab Emirates and go to that hotel. Oh, man, I'm a terrible, terrible father compared to this guy. He, he bought his daughter a, a, a Rolls Royce. Man, my husband doesn't love me this much. This, this woman's husband cleans their house every day. I asked Caitlin for that one. Apparently, that's the one I need to be doing to make her feel loved. Just scrolling or sitting in front of the TV watching the news. Guys, research has already indicated for years that the greater your screen time or the greater time you spend on social media, the greater your anxiety and depression will be. It's already there. I hope I'm not telling you anything new. And so what do we do when when we find out that we're not good enough, that we think that this thing's going to promise us life and and future payout for rewards because we're going to keep posting content to see if we can make it. Right, see if we can be famous one day. We keep seeking the good life. And when we don't get it this way, we try to numb it another way. With alcohol or broken relationships, we want to feel better about ourselves and it only leads to more pain. We want this life, but we're looking for it in all the wrong places. The crowd wants this life. Just like we do, and they ask him for it, Jesus, give us this bread always, sir, please. But when they find out what the bread really is, at the end of this discourse, you find out they don't want it. They don't want it. They walk away. Look at verse 35. Jesus tells us what the bread is for the good life. He says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. As Jesus is the bread, the Father sends down from heaven to give life to the world. And so as I promised you at the beginning, I say this again, Jesus is the source and the sustainer of the good life. Can you read that with me? One, two, three. Jesus is the source and sustainer of the good life. Guys, he really is what our souls are deeply craving. It's what we're looking for. And along the way, as I'm telling you this, I don't want you to make the mistake that I hear too many people making when they put Jesus in the same category of things that take life. They put Jesus in the same category. Jesus who gives life when you consume him with the same things that take life when you consume it. So for example, oh, Jesus is the better drug. Oh, Jesus is better than the social media. Jesus is better than my porn addiction or materialism or riches. Like, don't get me wrong, he's much better. But he's not in the same category of those things. Those things, as you consume them, kill you. Those things 
lead to death. Ultimately, they destroy parts of you. Jesus, when you consume him, he gives life. They kill your soul. So, so, so don't put him in the same category as those things. You can go on living without drugs, alcohol, porn addiction, uh, gluttony. You can go on without popularity or fame or relationships. You can go on without, without all sorts of things and you'll live. Try going without food for a few days, a few weeks. What happens? Yeah, you die. You can't live without bread. As manna in the wilderness, like if God didn't provide them food, they were a portable people, a portable nation. They didn't have their fields that they could set up with all sorts of grains and, and foods. No, no, no. They had to rely on God every day for some sort of sustenance to feed them. If they didn't eat, they would die in the wilderness. So, so we're not just saying Jesus is a better, a, a, a better way to feel better about yourself. That Jesus is a better drug. He's a better social media thing, right? No, no, no. no. He, he's not even the same category as that. He is essential for life because he is the bread of it. He is the source and the sustainer of it. All those other things that we try to fill our cravings with, they just won't fill. They won't satisfy the hunger. Instead, they'll exacerbate it. Jesus is what you need for any kind of spiritual, abundant life. Jesus is the bread. But here's the thing. We can come together under the same conclusion that Jesus is the bread. We can sing about how he's the bread. We can dance about it if we want to. We can go out and tell other people and say, yeah, Jesus is the bread of life. You can study about how he's the bread but food isn't food for you until you consume it. Like how many of you have ever planned to go to like Golden Corral, right? You go there, you didn't eat two meals before you went because you wanted to make sure you had room. You've already loosened your belt buckle two notches to make sure you were ready to go. And you, you pay the, how incredibly costly it is just to go eat there. You, you go through the line, you walk around, you see all the food, and you just tell people, man, this is some good looking food. And you go to the next buffet part, and you oh man, that food looks great. That is really good. And then you just go sit down for a little bit. You get up and you leave. Will that do anything to satisfy the hunger that you have? No, of course not. You must consume food for it to nourish your body. You can't just call it food. Jesus is the bread of life, but he won't be yours unless you take him and eat. So the ultimate question now is, how do I consume this how do we consume it how do we get it so that jesus as the bread gives source is the source of the life that he is offering how do we consume it how do we get it into us well we've already answered it verse 29 the work of god believe the one he sent but jesus expounds on it more in verse 36 through 40 but as i told you verse 36 you've seen me yet you do not believe in other words, they see that he is food, but they don't 
believe him. They haven't consumed him. Everyone the Father gives me, verse 37, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. Praise God. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. See that Jesus is the bread of life and receive, believe, consume the bread and you will have this life and you'll have it forever. We consume the bread by faith. We believe Jesus. He he becomes the bread for us. We consume him and as we digest him, his His sustenance nourishes all of our bodies and we won't ever go hungry again. As the nourishment that Jesus provides, it's gonna bring life to our dead souls and it's gonna continue to nourish you unto eternal life. And one of the things that I love about this passage, hey, while he says that, don't forget, he's not gonna misplace you. He's not gonna lose you. He'll ensure you have this life for the rest of eternity. This is how we get the good life. But here's how I want to land this today. And this is just actually from my own personal experience in the last few weeks, right? In the last few months. I think one of the dangers in hearing all of this is is this idea that, oh, I just got to take and eat once take and eat of my first bite. I get awakened to new life. I'm raised from the dead. And that's all I need from Jesus. That's all I ever need. So, so we have people who celebrate, yeah, I already ate of Jesus. I believed in him. I went down to the altar on that day. I prayed this prayer that the pastor told me to pray. I don't even know what I prayed, but I just repeated what he said. My goodness, I ate. I got all I needed. Yeah, sure. Maybe that'll be enough to get you through the gates of heaven. But you will be carried through on a stretcher, on Holy Spirit life support, thin as a rail, suffering from starvation and malnourishment. As Jesus isn't a eat once and you're good kind of dish. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about whether or not we can keep it or lose it. What I am talking about is the good life here and now. I'm talking about the life here and now. Jesus says, come to me and never hunger again. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden you don't hunger for anything about God anymore. No, that means he's gonna constantly keep supplying you with the bread of life that sustains and supplies you with everything that you need for it. We're like, like Joseph preached a sermon at the beginning of this year, it's like, we're not stainless steel. It's not like you just need to make us once and then you don't have to touch it and, and, and tend to it. No, no, no. We need bread day after day. That's the whole point of what Jesus meant when he fed the 5,000 plus. He's like, hey, anyone who comes to me, I've got infinite supply of it. I'm not dishing money, I'm dishing bread, Okay. You find the craving again, oh, Jesus will satisfy. You find the craving again, oh, Jesus, eat, I want the bread. 
Guys, Jews picked up manna daily for 40 years. Jesus is daily bread. He must be consumed initially and perpetually. Not not to keep your salvation, that's not what I'm talking about, but to supply nourishment for the good life that he offers. To sustain it. And the only way that I know how to prove this is from from my own testimony. Um, Have you ever noticed how uh, you, you take a few days and you skip your devotionals, right? You skip your time where you're spending with the Lord in prayer and and reading his word, right, and, and like letting it soak in and, and do its work in you. You skip a few of those days and you start to feel a little lousy. And If you skip a few more, like you get into the weeks and you just feel even worse. And then you get into the months and my goodness, you just, you don't even know really what you're doing anymore. You don't have a sense of purpose. You're not living missionally. Uh, the, the, the life of the, and the joy that comes with it just kind of like is, is distant. It seems like somebody else has it. You feel spiritually weak. It's when the good life starts to seem like a mediocre life. That is because Jesus is daily bread. Every day we go out and we collect some of Jesus. We say, I'm going to consume by faith, get into the convictions of my heart and change me. Every day, every day we go out and we rely on Jesus just a little bit more, knowing that, that, that any kind of spiritual life that we really are going to be able to have in Christ is going to come when we consume him every single day. Guys, isn't that why we pray, give us this day our daily bread? You, you thought that was just about what you could put in your belly? It's not just that. It's give us Christ every day. I wake up, I need Jesus. Give me the Christ bread. When I go to bed, I need the Christ bread. When I go to Walmart, give me the Christ bread. I need Jesus. I fear that too many of us have not sought daily sustenance for the good life in consuming Christ day after day. And and, and we... We're malnourished and we're blaming other people for it. We need Christ daily. And by the way, Jesus wasn't just meant to be a side dish to the main dish of whatever you want to consume to give life to your soul. That's not what Jesus was meant to be either. He's the only dish that your soul really needs. So forsake all others. And yet we spend so much time, even as believers, having him as the side dish and and, and working for things that don't ultimately work. Like, you know, that's actually the definition of insanity, right? Like trying to do the same thing and getting the different results, right? Like, why would you work for things that don't actually work? That's what Isaiah 55 says. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will what? 
live so that you will find the good life. Come to Jesus, who is the bread of life, who is the source that raises us from the dead and gives us this new life and sustains it and cultivates it and grows it and causes us to flourish in this new good life. Let's bow our heads and let's have a quick moment to respond. Some of you are probably getting really convicted today because you, you connect all too well with this because you know what you've been doing. You know how you've been using so many different things and trying to consume them in the hopes of getting at the good life and it's just failed you again and again. And you're trying to define yourself and obtain the good life through whatever the world offers you. Their bread is filled with maggots. It will ultimately destroy you. It will never satisfy. If you're here today and and you know that you've been eating bread from not heaven, but from the world, And you want to receive Jesus as the bread of life today. Not just to call Him that, but to consume Him. And make Him yours. You can do that today. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to try to improve on your efforts or works. Remember, it's not about changing your behaviors. It's about changing your beliefs. Nothing else in this world will satisfy that craving. And so if you're here and you're wanting to receive Jesus for the first time ever in your life, as the bread of life. Would you just raise your hand? Praise God. Others of you in here who are following Jesus and have been doing so, maybe you you have kind of been keeping Jesus on the side of the plate, or maybe you have even not just been consuming him at all and and you're you're wondering why depression and anxiety are overtaking you again and again. If you guys would, I would just ask that as you have your heads bowed, would you position your hands in a posture of receiving? Put your hands out in front of you, cupped together. Maybe today's the day where you renounce all the other breads that you've been storing up to try to find the good life. Maybe today for you needs to be, I've decided to consume Jesus alone. I'm tired of having all these other breads on the plate that only fade, that only perish. With that posture of receiving, would you Would you pray to Jesus, Jesus, you alone? I want to consume you today and tomorrow and the next day and the next because I want the good life now. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.